Tabletopped is brought to you by the following sponsor. Are you looking for something comfortable to wear and keep your brain warm while playing tabletop games? Daily Dose of Yarn makes handmade, customized beanies for all of your style and comfort needs. She can even help you with a custom beanie to represent your favorite character. Check out Daily Dose of Yarn on Instagram and Etsy to order your new favorite beanie today. Welcome back to Tabletopped, everyone. Today we're doing something a little bit new. We're actually going to be diving into the new module released by Wizards of the Coast for D&D, Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel. Did I get that right, Shade? You nailed it. Awesome, cool. It's like we did this before and then the the internet destroyed our audio. (laughs) No, that would never happen. That would never happen. Well, why don't we start at the beginning? This is a, uh, a module from Wizards of the Coast, um, but it's a little bit different. Uh, it has a, a new crew writing it, and also it kind of takes place in a brand new sort of setting that's not, or place, I guess, that hasn't been explored before. So why don't you give us like a, a, an intro of what the whole deal with this module is? Yeah, absolutely. As you said, uh, this is a a, a collective crew, a very diverse crew uh, of individuals that uh, haven't really necessarily worked entirely on um, on some of the 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 other releases. uh, Although I'm sure they're, I don't I don't know everyone's everyone's bibliographies. I apologize, Um, but (laughs) in any in any case, um, it's a fantastic group, and they have put together this new. Uh, kind of planar hub called the Radiant Citadel, which is situated in the ethereal plane, a transient plane, um, and connected to the material plane. So unlike Sigil, uh, which is really connected to all these outer planes uh, and is ruled by the Lady of Pain, uh, a, a, a godlike figure with inscrutable thoughts and, and <laughs> desires. Motivations. Yeah, motivations, that's the word that I really wanted there. Uh, the Radiant Citadel is ran by a council of 15 individuals that are elected. Uh, they have terms, and they're mortal. Uh, with I will, I will say there is one of them who is an ancient brass dragon. Uh, Spoilers! So that's, <laughs> yeah, but that, that's it, it's very well known. Yeah, People yeah, know yeah. what's up. This 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 humanoid has been around for longer than they should have been. People know <laughs> what's going They're on. Like man, Jeff, you've lived for like three hundred years. What's going on? <laughs> um, but it's yeah. I mean, actually, uh, yeah. It's I think it's two hundred fifty something is how much they've been around. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so you know, this is interesting because it's mortals that are still very much connected in some part to their original civilizations they actually have ways to go from the radiant citadel back to their home even if their home up and moves to a different world it still can do this and they have brought come together to form this this kind of utopia that is built on goodwill uh equity uh, solid public services. <laughs> solid public services. I mean, it, it's it's a caring society. Uh, but it's, you know, even as a utopia, it doesn't mean that, like, the people within it are perfect. They, they have their own problems. They are complex characters. And, um, 
and and they have differing opinions on how to run the society as well. One thing that uh, we talked about um, a little bit before, and something that still is really fascinating to me, is that they did a huge amount of design work in making the Radiant Citadel, and like this, it's really fleshed out. It feels like a real place with uh, mysteries and like weird uh contrast between like you said this sort of utopian vibe but then like the ethereal nightmare outside their windows um but also it's really interesting to me that they put that much design into this place uh only to have most of the adventures actually not take place in the radiant citadel it's more the hub the the loading screen (laughs) uh that you hop out of yeah absolutely i mean you know you can you can invest your players in the Radiant Citadel as much as you want, but ultimately to run the adventures, the Radiant Citadel kind of takes this back seat. Um, It is the hub uh, from which I would certainly run things, Mm -hmm. uh, or I would, you know, get you there at some point, but you don't have to do that. The adventures each have, uh, you know, good explanations on, okay, here's how you would situate uh, or set this in your worlds, you know, so you can contextualize this uh, this civilization that your adventure is going to be taking place around through the Radiant Citadel. You contextualize it uh, in the Forgotten Realms. You can actually, I uh, just clicked on one that I hadn't really read much of. You can contextualize it through Ravenloft, um, <laughs> which is wonderful uh it's like, I, you know i've don't seen make me go back to ravenloft <laughs> yeah. please let me stay I... <laughs> in the radiant Citadel. <laughs> i'm so excited about that and i can't wait to read more about this particular adventure you know it's only been out a few days and i've gone through a good chunk of the book but it's in that fashion it's like okay i've got a good you know pour through it real quick because i'm a greedy little uh monster who has to see all the cool stuff instead of a thoughtful like I'm going to read everything cover to cover. And I'm, I'm now in the midst of that, but um, but it hadn't gotten to this particular bit. So since since all of the civilizations are essentially elect a representative, does that mean that, I mean, I'm just seeing the potential for like a, a homebrew adventure or whatever that's essentially like Strahd in, like trying to influence the elections from the people of Ravenloft <laughs> and like trying to get somebody that he controls like a puppet Strahd like onto the council? So, uh, because I just read this about, I just saw this Ravenloft a little bit. Um, I can't say that explicitly, but <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I do know, for example, the the uh, the dragon that I was speaking on. Um, that is, uh, I'll just go ahead and bring that character up. Uh, Shola or Shola uh, as a legendary figure in the history of the citadel and um she's this famed ancient brass dragon uh of this uh civilization called akarin sangar and um she is you know she's she takes this form of a, a an older humanoid uh and brown-skinned humanoid it says and she has a complex relationship with her homeland. She loves her homeland, but it has a ruler, and I'm not going to spoil this, but it has this ruler that she has a very tenuous relationship with, I'll say. And so she actually doesn't agree with this ruler and would probably want to oppose, but she's trying to play this political game 
um, but very worried about the way this ruler is handling her world, or her civilization, I should say, uh, her native land. Um, and that's compelling, because that, that can have impacts. And, and there are uh, specific rules for how individuals are elected to the ruling uh, group, which, is, which are called the Speakers for the Ancestors, uh, the ruling body. And, you know, they, they have to be connected to the, to the native land, mm. uh, the founding native land. And they have to be elected to the position. And then they have to be approved by these things called um, the Dawn Incarnates, which are these fascinating, I just love these so much, um, they're these collections of spirits bound within gemstones and they like take the forms of animals and so mm. they're sometimes spirits that have just wandered through the ethereal plane and they're spirits that uh, are from the same place and so they kind of congeal together into this one entity uh, but the dawn incarnates are spirits from the most recent founding civilizations right. for uh, the Radiant Citadel, and so they are big. They are, you know, huge or large creatures that have hundreds, thousands of souls within them, and all of this knowledge, this institutional knowledge, is a result. And so they have to say, yes, this elected leader is good. So there is still, interestingly enough, like checks and balances. Um, yeah, and um, there are some major checks and balances, in fact, because if one of the speakers for the ancestors dies or leaves office early before their term was up, mm -hmm. stuff breaks down like instantly. Wells run dry, plants stop growing, um, lighting just stops, and <laughs> if it's and and stuff needs to be resolved within thirty days. Um, so it's or, like basically your um, your your basic services of government are not going to be working unless they're everyone is represented within government. That's really an interesting idea. Is that like a magic thing that's like magic into the radiant yeah, Citadel they are, or is it they're bound to the radiant Citadel. Um, they actually can't even leave for that very, for, for all that long. Mm. Um, it's very interesting. It's also like, it's again, I guess we should say again, even though we're talking so much about the Radiant Citadel, that most of the adventures take place outside of the Radiant yeah. Citadel. But it's so interesting because, like, I, part of me wants to really explore uh, in a campaign setting sort of a, a place where, um, in air quotes, like a utopia has been founded where people are feeling safe and secure with their needs are met. And then what happens then when you, like, are are people inherently going to try to like take more for themselves? Are they still going to have these infighting moments of like who gets more resources or like how, how, how is that resolved within the Radiant Citadel? And like you said, like, how does it work when people like these ancestors with all this institutional knowledge are actually like a, it sounds like a very conservative check and balance on power like imagine if all of the old senators had to agree on a new senator being elected in the united states you would have really bad people still elected not that they're much better now but um i'm just it's like interesting that you could you could build in like some really interesting stories along all of these lines and that's not even the focus of the campaign <laughs> yeah absolutely and that, you know that's that's one of the cool things about this book is because it's presenting um first 
the Citadel, but then it also presents these civilizations in the material plane, and these civilizations are tied to the Citadel, and they all do clearly have different uh, priorities, different mm-hmm. um, concerns, and there is, you know, very clearly like a, uh, a kind of like a delicate struggle, yeah. an ebb and flow, and um you know it's you can you can be in this utopia but you know that's it's it it takes the work Mm -hmm. um it is something that you have to buy into it and actually that's somewhat literal um i I do want to get to the adventures but just about (laughs) the radiant citadel um you know, uh, you have to pay a price to enter. Mm. Um, now, if you, this is a land of immigrants, it's a land of refugees, and it's a land of convalescence. Uh, so they don't turn people away. Uh, if you have nothing to pay, then you enter freely, and they will give you the services freely. Mm-hmm. There's public housing. There, you know, you, it's fine. You'll get it. Um, but. You know, the if you're deep pocketed, there they 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 expect you to pay your share, but they don't actually set it up so that you know it's like, well, we see that you earn this much back home, yeah. you know, whatever. So you got to pay this much to enter. No, they it's it's pay what you feel is right, um, which is interesting, and. And, you know, sometimes that might be an artifact, an item, a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not necessarily something that has a, an immediate uh, intrinsic value. So, like, an archmage could come into the Citadel and then, like, teach a type of magic that he developed, and that is his entrance price or something like that. Correct, yeah. Um, and, and I think that's really fun. Um, but they do, and this is actually where, where I was kind of driving towards this, the section on the Citadel itself does talk about tariffs and taxation. Mm. Um, so, you know, they're able to grow a lot of their food. They're able to uh, maintain livestock, things like that. But there is, you know, they, they still import and export things. And back, back, back to their original civilizations or from them. And there are costs for that. Um, and it's heavy taxations Mm. on that kind of uh activity and so you know there's a lot of social commentary i mean there's even a a section on uh law enforcement and justice and they very clearly state that um you know yes there is someone to ensure that laws are enforced that justice is had but there are also mental health care experts uh this is the house of convalescence and um you know, it's it's really interesting. It's about rehabilitation and restorative justice uh, for addressing wrongs rather than, you know, penalizing um, in some fashion. So I have a quick question because I haven't read this book as much as you have. Um, so when it comes to resource gathering, are there civilizations that are taken like they're the original 15 civilizations that are not in the radiant citadel they're like back wherever on whatever plane they are um are they continuously like are there people there that are providing for the radiant citadel and not able to partake in it is there like any sort of struggle there that's talked about or 
So I am not aware of any particular struggle like that. Um, you know, it talks about the resources being limited, um, but uh, but you know, it, it it also talks about recycling, reusing things where they can, uh, conservation of of materials, um, but. Uh, but I should clarify, I did say that there's, I, I misspoke and said that there was um, the ability to really kind of like have livestock. But livestock is mostly imported. They grow mm. greenery, but they do import livestock. So um, there's a local market. You have a basic income. Um, this is not something where, you know, this isn't a, a place where, you know, uh, a steak is going to come at a cheap price. You're not yeah. going to just have, uh, you know, a hamburger for lunch because you feel like paying a buck yeah. uh, for lunch or whatever. No, if you're having a hamburger, it's going to probably cost you more than if you just had, you know, a salad mm -hmm. or something like that uh, because that had to be imported and there are high tariffs associated with that. Um, so there is, you know, that balance with the civilizations outside, uh, but there's at no point does did I see anything that said you know um, but these these outside civilizations are you know the working class and only <laughs> the elites can live in no it's to the contrary this is this is meant to be like if this is a place of refuge this is a place you can live uh, so we we've really you know dove into the radiant citadel and we could probably continue talking and we probably will talk Forever. like yeah. uh, like a setting the table uh on the radiant citadel but let's talk more about the actual module itself so uh it's a uh, adventures one through level 14 um you also were talking to me earlier about like this kind of big mystery that overhangs all of it of like where are the other founding civilizations because there wasn't originally 15 there was 21 27 uh 27 i believe 27 yeah. and so there's all of this stuff happening but like run us through what kind of uh content is it is it like a dungeon crawl is it like what kind of um module is it similar to in the canon of wizard of the coast products right now yeah, so I think, um, I think an easy comparison. There, there are two decent comparisons to this uh, to, to previous content in, uh, from Wizards uh, in Fifth Edition, and that is Tales from the Yawning Portal, which is a, an anthology of adventures, and it's kind of a dungeon crawl esque. Um, but probably closer is going to be Candle Keep. Um, okay which is, you know, a collection of adventures that are kind of, they're meant to be mysteries. Mm -hmm. um, these adventures are not necessarily mysteries. And they're, each adventure is written by uh, a different writer. And they are, um, they, they have a variety of goals. They have a variety of, of characters. You know, the NPCs presented in each of these adventures are... They're not weak. They're not looking for your characters to solve every little problem. Mm -hmm. What they are is they're the competent people who know what they're doing, and they just have had a hardship or a challenge that has come up that they either need specific assistance with, expertise with, yeah. or they can't do alone, so they need you to come with them. That's kind mm -hmm. of the, the flavor on that. Um, there are dungeon elements. Uh, there is combat. 
but there are plenty of ways to resolve a lot of the issues through role-playing means. Uh, there's exploration in this as well. That's really interesting to me because on uh, our storytelling episode, uh, like I think a month ago now with Michael, uh, he was talking about how in a lot yes. of design uh, elements that violence is the natural outcome and the solution for most of your problems. And it's really like I'm actually really interested in diving in and seeing like the different ways they they offer you to solve that because that is built into D&D and it's like core DNA and it kind of sounds like they're they're doing some interesting stuff design wise to like offer you some other stuff too. They're certainly trying and I you know I, I do want to say that com it is still fifth edition combat's sure. almost certainly <laughs> going to happen. Yeah 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 yeah. Um <laughs> you know I I, I, I love D&D, but it is a, a failing in some respects. Combat has a, a heavy, heavy presence. Yeah. Um, and, and that conversation with Michael was fantastic. Um, so, I yeah, I, I'll just kind of run through a brief description. This is at the, this is in the uh, opening chap, chapter, Welcome to the Radiant Citadel. Um, so, again, each of these adventures are meant to be four to six uh, players and they're meant for this level but you could adjust things um, to to accommodate less or, or more fewer or more I don't know which one of those is more accurate <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, players as well as uh, different levels um, so the first one is salted legacy uh, and it's a conflict between ri uh, rival night market vendors uh, and there's this hunt for a mysterious saboteur and a series of whimsical contests. So, oh, that's um, so cool. this, this, this is a first through second level adventure. And, um, you know, one of the things I, I will say kind of about these adventures in general, in addition to giving background, um, <clears throat> I think uh, I, I may have spoken to the fact that there's a section on thoughtful introductions at the beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it, it really addresses this point that, you know, these are uh, a, a wide breadth of civilizations that are all different and diverse mm -hmm. uh, and unique in their own way. So it has some great advice on how to address that, including advice on how to address that in online and streamed formats. Mm -hmm. Um but they do that's at the top of the book they do this also they also have a great section uh in each of the adventures where you know they give background they also have sections on pronunciations um which is fantastic uh i i mean how often have we stumbled? I, I think I, I tried to say uh, the dragon's name just a few yeah, minutes right. ago, and I wasn't one hundred percent because I'm not sure I've seen a, a pronunciation guide for that. And I mean, like it, we've talked about it before too, that fantasy pronunciations are oftentimes just pure nonsense chaos. So <laughs> that's fair, but it's worth noting that the, you know these these uh, civilizations, you know, they are born out of um uh they you know they were born from members of the Dungeons and dragon community with connections to various real world cultures and mythologies no totally so, like it's well i guess what i was uh, trying to say when i said that was that like 
oftentimes it's the wild wild west on how to pronounce like to pronounce anything yeah. when a it comes to a fantasy a thing. dragon's name yeah and yeah. like the fact that they're giving you the resources to have a little bit more of a a place to start from is actually really really useful <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and you know that's uh because you know this may not be a community that you're um a part of and, yeah. and that's extremely helpful and thoughtful um so this this first level adventure this first second level adventure uh is fantastic uh it's the this this as i said this rivalry uh between these two market families and uh you are diving right into the center of this this kind of like family feud is there a Uh, romeo and juliet insert so I, I <laughs> won't, <laughs> I won't, I won't, I won't spoil too much. I'll just, I'll leave it as, um, you know, you are trying to kind of navigate this, uh, this, this feud, and you are also ingratiating yourself within the communities here and participating in these fun, strange games. Uh, <laughs> and I will go ahead and ruin, uh, spoil at least one thing. One of the games is the Battle Prawn Challenge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so good. And it is... Battle it is prawns. wild. I would definitely is, play yeah. that. <laughs> these, these is are it not, like a betting the, game or is it sort of like a weird like animal handling sort of thing that you're doing? So the... Um, the actual challenge... Are you able to equip your battle prawn with things that you find? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll just read you this. Um, massive bundles of green tree beans cover uh, both preparation tables. Participants must chop or mash the beans with various cooking knives at the table, their own tools or other methods. Each pile is a uh, single small object with you know its AC and HP uh and various immunities and your your challenge here really um is to um so to 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 do this it's a cooking challenge essentially and so you're given um you know some vegetation that you need to prepare but part of it is the prawn preparation and this is an eight foot long gigantic prawn that you have to fight um. <laughs> so it's not so much like battle prawns like battle bots where you both send prawns in that's kind of what i was imagining it's more like right. we have this monster prawn you have to wrestle <laughs> yes exactly i love that i love that um, so good yeah and and yeah you know there's there's all there's also like a hide and seek challenge and a few other things uh and a, i think a battle arena so again fighting is still here um but you know in a fun way like it's actually this is like pretty striking because a lot of older first second third level modules are fairly lethal because they just kind of throw people into like i don't know a mine full of cold bolts that you're gonna just get destroyed in if you uh aren't careful um and i feel like this is really interesting because all the things that you're uh, you're talking about are kind of like the carousing mechanic that came out in um, one of the oh, expansions yeah, and, where uh, yeah Xanathar's yeah yeah so it's like it's not so much like you're going and beating up monsters to get and getting real buff it's more like you're experiencing the city and by experiencing the city you're growing and so that means that you're going to take those first level ups which I think is actually a 
pretty brilliant way to do it so that you can like yeah. let your let your players get comfortable let them kind of settle into how to play whatever new ca- class that they've picked uh, learn how to role play a little bit with all of these different encounters wrestle a prawn get the basic uh, yeah. like you know battle mechanics out and then you're ready to take on a, a maybe a little bit more of a serious adventure afterwards that maybe has a little bit more stakes when it comes to danger yeah um, and so I should note also uh, I, I talked about how there's pronunciation guides and things like that there's also these gazetteers mm-hmm. um, at the at the end of each of these chapters that provides a breath of of details about you know it's like a map and noteworthy sites and uh what life is like here and um how they respond to visitors and uh every little detail you might want uh as well as like a a a quick rundown of the major players um in in this area so uh, and, and also how to how to put your character there. They you know they have advice on like, hey, do you want your character to have been native to the civilization? Here are some things that you need to think about. Yeah, I mean it's also okay. So we've talked about like low level play and the basic setting and like the stuff you'll be doing. Um, I feel like all of what I've heard out of the modules means that you're going to have like a lot of interesting things in the middle, but let's talk a little bit about high level play for folks who maybe have a campaign that have been going on for a little while and they want to jump in towards the end of some of the modules, the like, you know, 14th level play Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, What sort of stuff should they be expecting to, to be looking at when it comes to play styles and also what they, what they're going to be doing. Is it still like a broad mix or is it like a specific, mystery that they're solving what what's kind of going on in the upper levels of play yeah um so the one that i am probably one of the ones i'm most excited for is the 14th level um and this is really uh one of the last adventures uh it is the last adventure i believe and it's called orchids of the invisible mountain mm-hmm. and this is a adventure that um, I'm almost certain that I will run, so I don't want to spoil it too much. <laughs> no worries. But, uh, but um, you know, this is one that, because it's high-level play, it takes place in the material plane, but it's not limited to it. Um, it takes place in an area that is uh, intrinsically connected to the Feywild, and it has some kind of threat from the Far Realm. Happening. That's cool. um, so I love you, the far realm. you get yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and you you get to kind of experience you know that that planar um, travel aspect there, and the adventure though is still you know there 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 are combat beats, but there are also uh, meaningful decisions that you mm. have to make um, that that will I think challenge uh, the players. And of course, um, I think characters uh, that would be somewhat more surprising or or, or challenges that would be somewhat more surprising at at lower level um, that that, that you'll find here. I'm, I'm trying to really tread this line no this uh, is great I'm, I'm, I'm just getting excited i'm like oh boy i better take some utility spells <laughs> um one thing i yeah. wanted to kind of 
ask, I, I want to pop back to this, but it came into my head while we were talking. Um, how do how does the Radiant Citadel modules reward players for completing things when you know the the actual hub of Radiance the Radiant Citadel doesn't really have like a financial sort of you know basis because it has all of this kind of like public services how are you as a dm rewarding your characters is it still like gold go spend it on like things or is it like hey we found this other planner weapon or thing that you haven't seen before and like hey it's cool you should add it to your list <laughs> sure uh so the i mean it's going to depend on the adventure itself there's a fifth level adventure uh titled the wages of vice uh and that you know <laughs> just Depending on, regardless of what decisions you make at the end, you're going to get a, uh, oh man, I don't want to spoil too much here. So if you're if you're <laughs> worried about these spoilers, folks, uh, it gets a you get a magic item, I'll say, and mm-hmm. um, and then some gold, you know. And so it's it's mm. it's pretty standard in that for for that particular adventure. But I'll I'll go back to the uh, orchids of the invisible mountain. Um, you know, that one, you're going to get a magic item that is fitted to uh, high-level play. Ooh, that's cool. Um, I love that. So, you know, it's the, there is still that reward structure. And I, I would say fairly standard. Um, you know, I don't feel that we have played, and I, I know that every table is different, but I certainly don't play in a lot of tables where gold is the prime reward at the ends yeah um the reward is a job well done or a uh, <laughs> or a magic item maybe uh, you know the reward is is accomplishing your tasks but um but these you know the these uh magic items and and tangible things are still a part of these adventures um i think really though back to my point about a job well done they have great suggestions on character hooks for each of these adventures Mm -hmm. and it's resolving the hook i mean at the end of the day these this is a storytelling game and the conclusion of the story is in a lot of ways kind of yeah the satisfaction Um, there is one other section that I did want to talk about. It's the very end of the book, and it's called Beyond the Radiant Citadel. So this is a section that... Um, so I, I, I mentioned in our original attempt at this recording, and I can't recall if I <laughs> we alluded to it. I don't know if I really said it. But um, because of the mis- mis- missing civilizations, um, the... Uh, you know there are these 12 civilizations that are missing and um this uh this little section kind of dives into um a a place lands known as the Tayeb empire and umizu um these are uh, two recent additions to the Radiant Citadel. Uh, mm. And they uh, they are kind of like proof that, okay, we might recover these other lost civilizations. Because originally, um, 
thirteen civilizations kind of re reform everything. But then, as I said, it's it's fifteen right. now. Um, so there's information about these two uh, places, and there are tables uh, to kind of like help you set up adventures. Uh, but there are not adventures, and they're they're relatively small tables. But they're not fully fleshed out adventures. So th- they're just like a bunch of hooks that you can kind of throw together and make something right. And so this is this is kind of like the hook for so what? Who are those other missing civilizations then? And here's how you might then go on to go. Okay, let's go even further. And. I think to that Ravenloft. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's not a missing one. <laughs> Everyone knows where that is. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It sounds. I mean, honestly, it sounds like this module is my cup of tea. It also just sounds like a very fun, very specific yet not limiting uh, setting where you can sort of it kind of sounds like in a lot of you know modules do this where you could start with the level one level two adventure and then your characters are like this place fucking rocks let's now like go off on this other thing you should like have that one improv line about like the the sad like witch who lives in a tower and like whatever and then you know you're off on your own adventure out of the radiant citadel mm-hmm. and maybe the witch is like your quest giver who's like sending you to different realms and like popping back in like it sounds kind of like a, a brilliant move to on these designers parts to create such an interesting hub land rather than like a completely new setting because this this hub is like so interesting that people are gonna like i guarantee that people are gonna want to spend and will set a whole campaign just in the city you know what i mean <laughs> absolutely and but i mean on on the flip side of that um they spent such a considerable uh and this was a, a, a bias of my own because i just love yeah. interplanar hubs and things like that yeah. um i'm i'm a sucker for them so i spent a, an undue amount of time talking about it but and I also didn't want to spoil any of the adventures too much, I'll be honest. Um, sure. <laughs> so the, uh, but, you know, each of the adventures does such a great job spending the time and care with those civilizations. And I think, you know, that is something that I, I really love about this as well, because, you know, maybe maybe you've got a setting uh, like I do in uh, the Forgotten Realms and, you know, you're like, okay, I mean, Waterdeep's great, and I could have them play here forever, but what if I wanted to do something elsewhere in the Forgotten Realms? This is a big world. Uh, Toril mm-hmm. is massive. Let's let's talk about some of the rest of the, you know, uh, Faerun. And, um, you know, this is a great way to to do that and then your your characters may connect really with this society you know they they may uh say oh wow i i really want to uh spend even more time uh here in uh zinda um which is uh you know where you spend your time in the uh fifth level adventure Mm. and um This is, uh, you know, something that I think they have equipped you well to do. Or I apologize, I said Zinda, it's Zinda. 
My apologies. I should have referred to the... <laughs> hey, those pronunciation guides, they, I, they, they come in for the win at the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's made worse by the fact that I literally call a writing instrument a pin, P-I-N. <laughs> Despite the fact that I know it's spelled P-E-N, I, I, my mouth just doesn't do it half the Can't time. Can't do it. <sighs> so, All right, so... Yeah. So kind of taking this as a, a holistic thing, I know that we've um, only kind of touched upon a lot of it, but it's yeah. as a, you know, as this is a overview of the entire module, is this sort of a buy, borrow, or pass? Oh, buy this book think? 100%. Buy this book yeah. uh, because it is going to, at its core, it's going to give you all these great adventures and it's going to give you an opportunity to have intriguing plot hooks intriguing mysteries uh and and really just fun adventures that i think are are pretty well balanced from everything i've seen um but beyond that it's going to inspire you uh on your own world building um it's also i think a, a book that does a great job um kind of tying together hope and aspiration with real world complexness like it's literally built into the physical station in which the radio radiant citadel is situated like in the ethereal plane like maelstroms all around yeah <laughs> and this like bastion of place where people are are trying you know it seems it's it, yeah it's very well done thematically <laughs> yeah yeah, I, I, again, I love uh, roaming exploration and uh, and and planar hubs and things like that. So this is I'm very biased, but this is this is the adventure book you should buy for fifth edition. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, Waterdeep in that it gives you yeah. such a cool set of tools in which you don't even have to like use the book exactly uh to be able to get out a huge amount of value to put into your own campaigns um like in Waterdeep, it had that like calendar of events mm -hmm. <laughs> essentially yeah. that you could base like a whole thing around too um and this this module seems to have like really done the legwork basically providing you with 15 fleshed out civilizations to base campaigns in as well as this cool hub for interplanner kind of campaigns um it's just very well done. Yeah. So, yeah, I would have to agree. It's a buy. Um, and we'll be back soon, I think, for when Spelljammer drops. We'll kind of take a look at that one as well. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to bore everyone about Spelljammer. <laughs> <laughs> and now and now you have a point of contrast to be like, is it, uh, is it Sigil or Sigil or is it the Radiant Citadel? Which one is the, the, the fun uh, place that you want to spend your time? Maybe uh, we can sway you away from Spelljammer a little both. bit. Do <laughs> both. No, 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 no. I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now, <laughs> like, folks. Absolutely not. No, you, you do both because <laughs> you can. That's the point of the... <laughs> <laughs> of these games <laughs> alright well thanks Shade for doing some of the legwork looking through all of this um, with only a few days after it's come out uh, I'm sure that we'll pop back I would love to do a setting the table uh, in 
uh, either one of the civilizations or in the Radiant Citadel so that we can talk a little bit more about it after we've had some time to really steep in it. Um, and I guess we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Take care, everyone. All right. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Tabletopped. If you're interested in talking with us, please send us an email at tabletoppedpodcast@gmail.com, at gmail.com. Or you could follow us on Twitter at Tabletopped. Our DMs are open. If you like the show, please do the things that podcasts tell you to do. Subscribe, rate, share with friends. And if you don't like the show, may I suggest sharing with enemies? I mean, that would show them, right? Thanks again to everyone who follows the show, and we will see you next week for more episodes of Tabletopped.